You're listening to Passion Pod 8 with Kate Underdown. It's quite a niche, millinery. How on earth did you end up starting to get into it? Have you always loved hats? It was really organic process. At school, in the art department, I, I did sculpture all the time, did ceramic sculpture, and so I left school and went to art foundation course with the intent of going into fine art sculpture. And I got onto the course and started trying out lots of different things and thought actually if I go and do fashion I'm more likely to get a job I don't know why it was it was a bit of a whim I have to say and so I applied to go and do fashion so I did that and then got a job as a knitwear designer so I was doing knitted accessories and it was in a really small business and I didn't really enjoy it it's very hard I think you you make your decision especially if you're creative that you go and do the thing you love being prepared that you're going to earn less and I was in this fashion company doing admin dealing with production doing PR and marketing and it was interesting that my job was really varied but at the same time I just didn't enjoy it and I knew anywhere else I went I wouldn't be doing anything creative so I very very stupidly left my job with nothing else planned my parents went mental and then the recession hit so I tried and tried and tried couldn't get another job so I thought god the only thing I can really do is I'm going to set up on my own I started making jewellery and accessories and a few a couple of fascinators as well and I went and did office sales are you doing that by yourself? Yeah. It's pretty scary to launch yourself completely yeah, on your own. Yeah, I just couldn't think of another way of doing it. You know, I was unemployed for six months. And to be honest, it was a quick buck. It was just, you know, I was doing something a bit creative. I was really enjoying it. And Which you'd probably missed when you were working in yeah, a network exactly. company a bit to get your hands on again. Yeah, and I found that no one really bought my accessories and most people bought my fascinators. So I started making more of them and then thought, actually, I don't, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm botching these together. I mean, I, I knew how to sew. I could pass and cut and stuff from college. But I just thought, well, I'll go back and learn. And on a whim, slightly drunk one night, I applied <laughs> to go and do this millinery course. And I took some really, really horrible pieces that were sort of glued together to show for my interview and luckily I took along my fashion portfolio and she basically said I'm gonna let you in and see so on my first day I hadn't really made any hats before I'd never properly blocked a hat yeah so it was a very steep learning curve but at the same time like it kind of goes back to the sculpture at the beginning and my mum said to me when I started doing it I can't believe you've never thought of doing this before you have pictures of hats all around your room you used to buy old hats it's so stupid but I just had never put them all together and realised. But don't you think so often that's the case? I think for so many of us you've got stuff staring at you in the face but you just don't sort of match it up in that same way Mm. and also because it is quite an unusual trade. It is. Even when I tell people that I'm a milliner and no one knows what that is, usually they think I'm a mariner or a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day my love, you can do both. And I got a job through a friend actually in in a hat shop in central London. They sell all the components to make so they have hobby milliners in there but also she has her own range of hats in there and I sell my hats in her shop so that was really good and really interesting to work in a shop see what people like and it's it's interesting watching people trying hats on and seeing which of your hats they like and which they don't because they don't know that you've made them so they're very brutally sometimes honest yeah quite hard that sometimes yeah I was a bit offended to start off with but you you know 
half the time you don't want them wearing your hat anyway yeah, for like, people who don't like so are you, are you selling your hats independently from that shop as well yeah though? i'm not doing it at the moment because i haven't really had enough time but what i need to do is have a collection and from that collection people pick and choose the thing is you have to have something for them to see and touch and try on so quite often they'll come in and try things on and then like it you know in a different color or with different trimmings it's hard if you're quite visual person that people have no imagination unless they see it you know they were too scared and it's a lot of money as well they're investing into it so it's quite a long process it's almost slightly you are slightly counseling them and sort of you know it's not something that one does every day no so it is yeah it's quite an intimate process i imagine because you're you know it's an expression of them really what they're choosing it is taste but i hard if you're making stuff you know to have every single thing in different colors or to show your range that must be one of your biggest challenges well I dye everything, so I can dye to match. Amazing. And after I got my job at Atelier Millinery, I got I went and did an internship at Stephen Jones, who is one of the big boys in the millinery world. There's sort of two of them, Philip Tracy or Stephen Jones. So I went to Stephen's because I've always loved his stuff. And I was there for a month, and on my last day, the studio manager came up to me and said, would you like to stay on? And I assumed she meant as an intern, and said, I'm really sorry, I can't, I can't afford it. And she said, no, we'd like to take you on and put you in our couture department. And so it was a tough decision. (laughs) That is unbelievably cool. You must have just not realised. I I went home. Did that just happen? I poured myself a really large drink and and said, I think I've been offered a job, but I can't believe it. That's just amazing. It was so nice. I left college thinking that I knew, not loads, but I knew enough. And it was like I knew nothing when I got to Stevens. And every designer has different ways of doing things. So you have to kind of abide by their rules in their house. And I'm learning all the time. I still feel like I know nothing huge learning curve but what an incredible place for you to be and it makes you faster as well because the re- what's well, the reason why hats are so expensive because quite often the raw materials are not that much money but it's the time an average hat will take you five or six hours and that's quite a sort of simple hat so in theory it's a day's work at least some hats we have take three days not anything but simple <laughs> yeah and also for me it now means that I work I have three days a week where I'm earning money making hats doing what I like I need that for me I I'm not very good freelancing full-time it's stressful you have a certain amount of money that you have to make each month to pay your rent and pay your bills and I have to I wouldn't sleep at night I think I just I'm not that sort of temperament so I knew that I had to have enough money coming in you know to cover all of that and then on top of that I sell my own stuff let's talk about some of the ones you've got because there's an amazing range I love these little pom-pom ones yes feathers they're feathers they are it's ostrich feathers would you call that a hat I don't know the difference. No, it's really tricky. That I would call a cocktail hat. Right. There's sort of three branches. There's a fascinator, which is something which is quite small. And actually that originated from Marie Antoinette's time where they had, you know, they used to clip flowers and things into their hair. So smaller, the smallest of the family. that's where it came from, fascination. Oh, lovely. Then we've got the next range, which are cocktail hats. So they need to have 
a sort of base structure. And things like, you know, if you're at Ascot in different bits, you have to cover the crown of your head if you're in the royal enclosure. So that would count as a... If you didn't want to wear a full hat, that's yeah. still hatty enough. So these are, this is really different. So is that more of a hat? That's a proper hat. Yeah. So that's this is quite beautiful. So what's that material? What would you, what's... This is... Everyone laughs at all the names. This is a barley bunthal. Whereas something like this, which is the pom pom beret, this I have moulded over a form. So I've got a wooden form that's the shape of a beret and I've put a base fabric underneath it, which is the structure, and then pulled a fabric over I liked. The other one is all hand-moulded, so it's quite organic in the fact that I can't repeat them. I can't make another one of these. They're just, they sort of turn out as they turn out. <laughs> um, hey, that's cool. So this More is, of a squarer, sort of. So this is a pillbox, and again, that would be a cocktail hat, because it's small um and i've got these are sort of these old 1950s flowers that i found i spend my life trawling places where do you go sort of old shops old haberdash i don't know where you'd find all these things charity shops yeah i've become and this sounds awful and i look for sort of rich villages where (laughs) the age where there's a lot of old people living there because they all pop their clogs and most of them have hats and you know the average person used to have a box of trimmings which they'd use to jazz up their hats because they were quite a big investment and each season they'd just retrim them put a new ribbon on them or a different flower freshen them up a bit freshen them up so now I've got to the point where I just buy things that I don't know what I'm going to use them for but I'll use them someday at some point but I guess you have to because otherwise it's not like a mainstream way of sourcing stuff no I mean you can buy you know generic stuff from there are a few suppliers left and I also buy um those hideous 80s straw hats from charity shops which are a couple of quid and re-dye them and use them because the straw is so much nicer really nice quality and I kind of like the idea that I'm giving them a second life yeah (laughs) reviving them my darling what do you think your biggest challenge is with all of this stuff well the most difficult thing I think is it's a long process like the buying process you know you meet them it's quite sort of hands-on but you don't get loyal customers in the fact that you get repeat purchases regularly I mean the most one a year maximum so the hard thing is actually getting new customers so far I've been very lucky through word of mouth I've worn quite outlandish hats at weddings and that has got me orders and really luckily actually most orders I've done for people I've got an order from the wedding that they've been to or the event they've been to from someone else who liked it so it is hard I think for me the next stage is to start doing wedding shows but I mean there's so many of them it's deciding which one to do I've been sort of psyching myself up and luckily with my knitwear job I used to go and do trade shows like London Fashion Week and Paris so I'm all right doing the selling because that actually is quite tricky they're really long hours those shows you've got to be on your feet all day and you've got to be on the ball all the time and the thing about hats is people come and look at them but you've got to make them try them on because there's no way they're going to buy them just by looking at them and also the another thing that I found being British is people don't like physical contact and trying on a hat you know you're placing it on their head and you're getting kind of 
too close for comfort. Up close and personal. Yeah, and people get really nervous, and I think that's part of it, actually. I I have to sort of really make them at ease. And, but I guess also it makes it more of a presentation of it. Yeah. It's like, you know, you see people in bride's dresses, you know, then the big reveal of them, yeah. you know. Yeah. It is a bit of a kind of ceremony. I can't think of a better word. It is. Yeah. And also it's usually the last thing they buy, so... The whole wedding will have been organised, especially if it's, you know, one of the bridal party. And the hat is the last thing they're like, oh, maybe I'll have something on my head. Finishing touch. But I think it's because, you know, as generations now, we don't wear hats. Whereas it used to be the thing that everyone just did. yeah, everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone would wear a hat every day. What if you had some advice that you wish you'd been given, or even some stuff that would encourage someone to get involved in millinery? I think starting off, doing an evening class because until you've made one you will never understand how long it takes I was horrified the first hat I ever made I said I'm never doing this again it's so time consuming and you have to be so patient so I think go and try it because if you can survive an evening class then you'll be addicted and then internships are the best way to learn you know you learn about and most most companies are very small you know it'll just be the milliner and maybe one or two people and you just learn so much you know you learn about how a small company runs which is really important and you know they'll teach you shortcuts and you know at Stevens I never knew before I went there that before you dye feathers you have to wash them in fairy liquid because and it helps the dye take you know the strange little things that you learn which are invaluable for when you get yourself going i guess it's stuff that's like handed down as well like you yeah, say because it it's such a small industry yeah it's tricks of the trade those tiny wee things that you know fairy liquid of all things amazing yeah heard it here first please yeah. <laughs> it's <an> exclusive <laughs> a millinery exclusive yeah. who knows where that could lead us yeah. oh <laughs> what about your inspirations for your designs you, you said about it being whimsical but do you read certain magazines or are there things that inspire you that you look at or is it just something that just comes out of it it's sort of it's quite weird like what's happening at the moment is I keep thinking about bird wings I can't stop thinking about them keep thinking about them all the time and then I know it's really sad (laughs) and I've just bought a load of bird wings and now that's it I'm going to do something with that and I can sort of visualize it in my head and quite often like the pom-poms I kept thinking about pom-poms one thing I have noticed is I did the vintage at the South Bank festival and I did the one before that as well and for that I was production lining hats just making lots of hats and some of them I liked and some of them I thought um it's all right and the only hats that sold were the ones that I really liked and the ones that I didn't didn't sell so it's true now so I make sure I love it before I send sell it and also when you're talking about the selling you know when you're doing these fairs it sounds massively cheesy but there's something that you can't capture in that that's just a passion that you have because you love it yeah so of course you're going to talk about it in a different way yeah I think it's because you put a little bit of yourself in and I think I always pick out my favorite hats to try on people to start off with like the first one this is this is the secret to bagging a man is having a hat honestly they come into the hat shop and at fairs i've done and the boy has persuaded the girl to buy the hat because they love them in it it's really interesting when someone has found the right hat you can tell instantly because their posture changes they know that that's the one it makes me want to just wear hats all the time you can (laughs) you should everyone should be we should all be wearing hats every day do you wear them a lot i do wear them a lot more than your average (laughs) Uh, yeah more than your average but not enough you've been listening to passion pod 8 with kate underdown 